Hello. I'm sorry to bother you, but I'm having a dinner party and I've run out of podcasts. <laughs> Come in. Thank you. Would the Peggy Mount Calamity Owl be too sweary for your guests? Oh, I think they could get used to it. <laughs> it's a very drunken podcast. They have very inebriated taste. Do they? Yes. Well, I must be getting back. Now playing Drunker, Swearier, Peggy Mount Pod. Have you met your new neighbor yet? Yes. He's a right working class cut. This is this, this, this week on the Peggy Mount Cast. That aside, uh, I do have to say, aesthetically, from a visual perspective, the set is dump. <laughs> the set is, it's like BBC Brown. So then it brings us to the contestants. Yeah, it does. Yeah, we've got, um, we've got Paul and Simon, they're from Morpeth. And we've got Judith and Tracy, they're from Chesley Street. Indeed. And have they ever seen Daylight? <laughs> Talk about sticking to the brief. Uh-huh. This theme tune is blinding. It is. It is saying, welcome to science. Pull up a chair and have some science. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. it basically picks up the Krypton Factor, puts it in a toilet and flushes it. We've got a handle on this. People can sort out the disasters. Look at what they've done. Huh? Huh? Look at what they've yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt safe watching this film. It came from nowhere, but I don't care. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> can, they, it, can, they, can they make us all safe without clattering on with a fucking fire engine for a minute and a half? And welcome to the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. I'm Dr. Velvet. I'm Blackout. And we're here to talk about the 1980s television. Yes, hello to you, and thanks for dropping in on our casual cultural critique of vintage television, where Britain's best-loved battle axe is never far from our minds, because here, all roads lead to the mountain. If you go over to PeggyMountPod.com, info and links for the episodes we're discussing is in the show notes. You can find us on the socials, get in touch to say hello, or suggest programmes that you'd like us to cover. And something that our listener might be familiar with is the fact that now and again we do have a special guest in the form of Mr Ozzy Bognops. This episode is no exception. However, he doesn't join us in the studio because he's away in another country. So, joining us live by the magic of Telex, it is Mr Ozzy Bognops. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Before we lower the drawbridge, I've got to ask you, gentlemen, what are you drinking? Well, I am drinking... Hackershaw Münchner Hellbeer. The what? Get in. (laughs) Yes. I've brought me on. It is Munich White Beer. And it's very nice. nice. Delightful. Oh, yeah. Very good. Very what about good. yourself, Dr. Velvet? None. What colour? Blue. Oh, dear. Yeah. I've gone for it. I've gone for it. I wanted to keep on brand. I'm on blue none. But it's the 80s, <laughs> for goodness sake, you know? And I don't care. And I don't care. Yourself, Blackout? Uh, I am going for a Hophouse 13. Oh, nice. Yes, sir. There we go. Okay, chaps, the drinks are open. So if we're all sitting comfortably, bring your butter kissed, prepare your pop, and hang on to your hot dog. It's time for a screen test. (laughs) 
Yes, Screen Test was a game show which ran on the BBC Children's Programme in Strand from 1970 to 1984, testing the powers of observation and recall from its youthful contestants as they're shown an assortment of film clips to analyse. Originally presented by Michael Rod and later by Mark Curry, we've stopped off on an episode from November 1982 in the four-year run helmed by the legendary Brian Truman. And we're on something approaching home turf here at Mount Peg Towers, as this week's celluloid combatants hail from Morpeth and Chesley Street. Yes, of course, the Brian Truman era. Oh, We're post-Rod, we've had our fill of Rod, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and here we are, f- faced with the voice of Stiletto yeah. from Danger Mouse. Mm-hmm. Yes. The voice of Nanny in Count Ducula, amongst many other Cosgrove Hall animation voices. The voice of Gran Rowdy in Cockle Shell Bay, no less. Absolutely, absolutely, yes, yes. That aside, uh, I do have to say, aesthetically, from a visual perspective, the set is dump. The set is... It's like <laughs> BBC Brown, and it's slightly a right. darker brown than London Brown because it was made in Manchester. I guess they just couldn't afford as many lights. Perhaps. I didn't brown and it. amber. It looked like it was filmed sort of on the other side of those screens at the back. They're doing um, Ask the Family. I'm fine with that. So is it safe to say that we all used to watch this in the past? We did. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. We did. Excellent. I remember I, I, I had the end of the Rod era and the Truman era. I'd stopped watching it when Mark Curry presented it because I thought it was he an idiot. basically only did the last year. It was him who buried it. I dabbled with a bit of that era. I didn't mind Mark Curry. He thought it was all right. Um, but by then, anyway, it was I was petering out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, I mean Truman for me was less personable than Rod because I'd just kind of okay. got, I'd got home from school and all of a sudden I have another teacher-style person barking at me. And, you know, it, it just feels a little bit typical BBC of the time. You know, you will learn as well as be entertained. You know, be telling. Now, you see, I don't really have that many memories of Michael Rudd doing it. Um, it's sort of like Brian Truman is my presenter for this in the same way that you have a Doctor and a James Bond. Yes. So I'm absolutely at home with Brian Truman here. I think he's a superb presenter on this show. He's, like, authoritative, but he's relaxed. And I think, obviously, <laughs> obviously Bogdoff wasn't picking this up, but I do think that because he's, a, like, a seasoned writer of kids' shows, he knows how to connect with the contestants on a oh, level he's down, without... he's down he's with like, the he's, kids. But well, that's the thing. It's like, he's not patronising them, and he's not being that teacher who turns the chair back to front before they sit on it. He's just kind of he's been yeah. sort of friendly, but he's still he's the authority in the room without you know being the arsehole about. It. He's not Paxo, yeah. is he? Well, he drives no, the show. Right. He drives the show. Yeah, he drives yeah. the show, and he's not. He didn't make the sort of mistake that. Well, I don't know if it's a mistake, but Michael Rod to me was an amalgamation of John Craven and Avon from Blake Seven. All oh, right, okay, okay, I can see that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, put I those two people that. together, and you've got Michael Rudd. So you've got a, a cardigan um, with leather and studs in it, basically. Now, there's a certain phrase that would chill my spine when I used to watch this show: mm-hmm. the young filmmakers' competition. Oh, the the screen test young filmmakers' competition. Absolutely. The moment those words were mentioned at the top of the show, I felt the same despair, rejection and resentment that I did back in the day <laughs> that I used to watch this. I love it as a I love it as a segment though. Oh, oh yes. The, the fact that they take a break in the middle of the show to play a short film that's been made for their own competition. That's outstanding. 
I mean, the film isn't that they show, but but the oh, concept of it's man. great. Can I just mention last week's question? Yes. Because we had homework with this, we're, we're down the same line as Jigsaw here. Yeah, exactly. We've got, we've got, we've got a bit of homework, uh-huh, and uh-huh. it's about the secret of Nim. Do you mm-hmm. know what? That film haunted me. Every magazine I opened back in the day, there was an advert, advert, advert. I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. I've never heard about of it. this film. I haven't seen it to this day. I've not seen it because they like sickened you've... me with the hype. Yes, I like that you're taking it so personally that you've assumed. That each advert's got your name at the top. Correct. Yes, correct. <laughs> I did at the time. It well, felt like it. I mean, it's it the felt wor- like a vendetta. It's the way he worded it. He said, "How did you cope?" I mean, you know, <laughs> how did you get? How, how did you cope knowing that you had a full week to sweat on this fucking question? He does lay out another question at the end of this, and he I'm does. thinking that's a that's a lovely snapshot of its time, um, because obviously there weren't. In, at that point in 82, there weren't even that many people with videos. True. Who, but you wouldn't like no, necessarily absolutely. have the film they're talking about where you can just like, well, I can look that up in a second. Exactly. And whereas, obviously, now, you can be like, you know, Brian, you know I can rewind me telly, right? <laughs> exactly. It's true. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> and the other interesting factoid about this particular edition is it was on the 2nd of November, 1982. Gentlemen, mm-hmm. do you know why it's significant? First day of Channel 4. Of course it is, yes. Ah. So I watched Countdown, yes. and I listened to Paul Coyer being four tonne of Harvest Mints, uh, and then I switched Hold over... on, and, Pop. And, yeah, and then I switched over and watched uh, Screen Test. So then it brings us to the contestants. Yeah, it does. Yeah, we've got, um, we've got Paul and Simon, they're from Morpeth, and we've got Judith and Tracy, they're from Chesley Street. Indeed. And have they ever seen Daylight? <laughs> I've got to say, it's he's do, he's doing well. Paul on the end there, he, he's not happy, is he? He starts no. off badly. He's not having he's not having the best time in this. He re, he doesn't want to be there. His his peer Simon, yes. Um, how how far down does he want his tie to be? Is it the wondering. fashion? <laughs> and the knots the, the knots wider than his neck. It is. Is is that the fashion? I I don't even know because they weren't doing that. When I was at school. <laughs> but the thing I was most concerned about, I love the fact that there is equality here. Two girls, two boys. So that's. Yeah. But the noticeable difference between the Morpeth kids and the Chesley Street kids, you've got Tark Proper Judith is going to be on the telly versus Paul Deere. <laughs> make sure your deportment and language is commendable. It is the BBC unit. Yeah. I, love, I do love that they're allowed to take notes. You know, they're yeah. not like just relying on their memory. No, they're, they're writing shit down. That's good. I'm, I'm digging yeah. that. But yeah, even with the notes, Paul Mindo, yeah. not, a, not a point, not a one. No. You see, it would be like, Simon, could you tell me um, the, the name of the fox and the... Right, OK. Paul, in the film Spartacus, when all the legions <laughs> are standing there, name them. You know, as kind of... I, well, it is a bit, yeah. I can understand how he felt, because as, as the little show rumbles on and rumbles on... Mm-hmm. Um, we get to that segment in the show. Oh yes. That I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Young filmmaker. Now. Yep. Yep. Casting me back. I was a gog at this each week. Right? R- yeah. Right. Because oh. I felt inadequate. How are people my age doing this? On sixteen millimetre film. How how are how have people got all the kit? 
mind you, looking back at what they produced, it was arse gravy. It really but at the time, <laughs> at the time, it, it could knock the mean. wind out of my sails. I know you mean. There's a, there's a level of aspiration that's just too far, isn't there? There is. Yeah. Yeah. And and I used to sit there boiling, thinking I can do this. Well, I could have. I had a couple of grand in my pocket and uh-huh. had the cameras. And exactly. That. I bet there were mammies and daddies. Now here's a little interesting. Oh, without it. Here's a factoid for you. Sixteen-year-old Edward Snape from Norwich um, mm. is now actually a West End theatre producer. Oh, I was about to go into this exact thing. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. I bet his screen test certificate of merit hangs proudly in his office. Uh, yeah, absolutely, it is, yes. Next to his Olivia Award. Yeah, exactly. Framed he three times. Been... Yes, there's three mounts round the side of it. So, yeah, it's, uh, as we said, it's Edward Snape from Norwich. His film is called Mr Punch Beside the Sea. It's a short, I guess you call it a documentary about a Punch and Judy show. Now, he's filmed this on a day at the Great Yarmouth and he's just used a handheld camera. There's no tripod or rest. Now, that would be no, fine, no. but he keeps zooming in too far and then needing to move the camera to cover all of his subjects. It's yeah. fucking shoddy, I'll be honest. The programme's only 25 minutes long. They spend nearly three showing this. Uh, they do? And it's cut with a blunt pearl-handled butter knife. That's the thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Now, I just need to go back because I need to actually unleash my thoughts on this because it's been playing on my mind ever since I watched the fucking thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. This is the clip from the film Raising a Riot, and to, quote, yes. and to quote the good doctor, is the war on? 1950 right. bastard five? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I had a note along these lines, because as it was going on, we open up with the Mickey Mouse anniversary show. That's from 1968. Raising yeah. a Riot, mm. which, as you say, is from 55. We go to uh, Airborne, which is one of the Chimpmates oh, series Chimp from the Children's the, Film Foundation in 76. The, the obligatory Children's Film Foundation. I and have the same reaction to this. Uh, I had the same reaction to the words Children's Film Foundation as the as the doctor had to the Young Filmmakers <laughs> competition. My heart just sang because it was it might as well have said, and the next film is most likely going to be crap. But I was yeah, because I was wondering how old are the clips they're using on this? Could they not afford the rights to anything more recent? But credit where it's due, they do show a clip from Fox and the Hound, which is only from the year previous. So I'll give them that. Yeah, that's. That's true. That, that, that they usually used to end on one of the most recent films, but ah, okay. every single bloody week they would have something from the children's film. Now, yeah, in, in because it doesn't years, cost anything, that's why. Exactly. Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> However, in later years, I learned to appreciate the value and contribution of these as part of British film culture, mm-hmm, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as a kid, Shite. I wasn't a fan. Exactly. Maybe of a couple. Maybe ah. of a couple. But the, to me. To me, they're a bit too patronising and written by adults who'd never met a child it's or ever been one. It's yes. so true. So we move to Fox and the Hound, and can I just say, last one, Disney film, cutting edge, where was the barrel? <laughs> On the back of the wagon. Brian, you've guessed that, and now you'll pay for guessing. <laughs> hmm? <laughs> where on the wagon? Next to What? What type of wood was it made from? How big are the nails in it? Who was the what cooper? What colour was the hanky in the glove compartment? You'll never guess again. You'll never guess again. Not on my watch. Not on my show, lad. <laughs> no, we whispered. No, because yes. this is Simon. This is Simon here. Now, Simon has been absolutely fucking on fire. He is the runaway winner of this show. Yep. Brian's just trying to bring him the fuck down a notch. So he's yeah. like, well, where was it? He's like, I said, the back of the wagon. 
was it in the back or on the back? And he's like, I said, the back. He said, well, I'll give you a point for that. He's like, well, fucking thanks, Brian. Exactly. I'm, I'm glad you're in charge. Please, can I have a point, sir? Please, please. I've fucking won anyway by this point, haven't I, you fucking knacker? And we get through that. More with wind, don't they? They do. Of course they do. They always bloody well, do. Well, you say they do. No, Simon wins. Yes. I don't, yeah. I don't, think, I don't think Minto does. Well, I was trying to give him a bit of credit there, but, you know. He gets, well, I mean, he, he basically ends up, he gets a special badge that says, four points, fourth place. <laughs> and he gets, again, as is tradition now on these shows, he gets to walk home. Yes. That's right. <laughs> on, on his lips. Uh-huh. <laughs> being, being, chased, being chased up the M1 by a man with a stick. With rabid dogs. What I love is... Um, the Truman at the end, it's like he's trying to justify oh, the yeah. show. Yeah. He, ba- he bangs on about, what a cheery competition we've had. Cheery competition. It was like a morgue. Exactly. <laughs> no audience. <laughs> That's why they were able to do it so cheap. No audience. Good Lord. All right, then. As the curtains close on the end of this wonderful screening of Screen Test, gentlemen, pegs upon the line. Mr Bognops. I will give it a firm and precise six out of nine because I think mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. delightful and innocent and a good continuation of school children competing things that started with top of the form and went on to find us keepers, beat the teacher and all that shite that had guns in it in the 90s. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's, a, it's just a charming little time capsule and also it the is. fact that they appear to think that children ex- are expected to know about every film made since Intolerance. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yeah, seven out of nine for me. Probably okay. not the best episode, but this is absolutely a show in its prime here. It really feels like it's been made with its young audience and contestants in mind. Fun and inclusive. I enjoyed it. What yeah. about yourself, Doctor? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, solid six from me. Uh-huh. It loses a couple, a couple of points. It could have been an eight, because I do love it. I love the idea of it, because remember, back in the day, we used to get to see clips of films. We didn't have video recorders, so mm-hmm. this was our chance True, to see yeah. little snippets. Of, and I used to look forward to that. But it, we, they've lost a couple of points because of the elitist young filmmakers competition. competition. <laughs> ah, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Dr Velvet, how many steps would it take you from the screen test to get up the mountain? Well, I can do it in un, deux, trois. Splendid. <laughs> Right, this programme features a clip of Airborne, starring Philip DaCosta, who was in 1979 Scum, with Phil Daniels, who starred in the Pickwick Papers, next to Daddy Davies, who rocked up in the Breakfast of Peabody's episode of You're Only Young Twice, with Peggy Perhaps I'd better wait five minutes. You might burst into flame. Splendid, 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 splendid. So, um, uh, Mr. Blackout, what? How how far up the mountain are you getting with your perambulations? I can do it in two. Oh! This programme is presented by Brian Truman, of course, who was a writer on Budgie the Little Helicopter that featured the voice of. Melvin Hayes, who starred in 1966's Rome Sweet Home with Peggy Mount. Oh dear, now I am frightened. Oh, I'm all a tremble. Nice, just nice. That is, that is, that is very good. Very strong good work. Indeed. Strong work. But yes, 
Aussie Bognops, you seem, we're, we're already at the top, you seem quite a distance off. How many steps will it take you to get up the mountain? Mr Blackout, I shall go up there in but one step. Get in! What's going on? I know. This programme features a clip of Raising a Riot from before the Footman War, starring Kenneth Moore, who was in 1980's Night of 100 Stars with... Peggy Man. Do you realise this flag has flown for a thousand years? <laughs> Love Lovely it. stuff. Love it. Lovely. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm absolutely exhausted. We've eaten our popcorn and hot dogs. Would anybody like an apple? I'm okay for now. Are you sure? What about you, Ozzy? Ozzy, do you do you want an apple? You don't. You don't. You don't have to say yes. No, I don't want an apple. I want some more hot dog. Here's the adverts. Surprise them. This is today's action man, watching the armoured jeep getting ready for action. Talking commander gives his orders. Give me some cover. The assault copter fires off its rockets in support, right on target. But is the battle over? Only you know. You and action man. Uptown at the local on a Saturday night. Met a girl from Birmingham and she was all right. She was very intellectual. Don't much. The way she ate her crisps had a feminine touch, but the gorilla that she had in tow was just a bit much. Stay sharp to the bottom of the glass. I said I was her brother, so we stayed and had another. The cool, fresh flavour didn't waver by a quaver. I said it was a pity, but we had to hurry home, cos her 80-year-old mother was all on her own. So she kissed him very nicely and said she'd phone. Harp, stay sharp to the bottom of the glass. Harp, stay sharp. Well, that's lovely. That's absolutely lovely. Buy them. Buy them things. Get them bought. And so, without further ado, at the risk of creating some crackers paradox in the space-time continuum, let's have a look at the world of tomorrow today, despite it being yesterday and more and that. Tomorrow's World was the long-running primetime science and technology show from BBC One, beginning in 1965 and managing to last until the future finished in 2003. As infamous for its bizarre gadgets, which went nowhere as its accurate predictions, this staple of early evening programming hit its peak in the 1980s, and as we cruise through 82, we've dropped in with Kieran Prenderville, Peter McCann and Maggie Philbin to see what wonders were just around the corner. The first wonder was the theme tune. Absolutely. That started with the sound of God sighing. I mean, talk about sticking to the brief. Uh-huh. This theme tune is blinding. It is. It is saying, welcome to science. Pull up a chair and have some science. 
Yeah, I was thinking yeah. it basically picks up the Krypton factor, puts it in a toilet, and flushes it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And then it tap dances all over the empty covers of some Jean-Michel Jarre albums. It does, yes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go that far as to name him, but yes. Tomorrow's World, like a crystal ball, like a crystal ball on a Thursday night at seven o'clock before TOTP. Yep. This was this for me. This was absolute dead-on must-watch viewing. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. You were you weren't connected if you weren't watching this. Well, for me, it was like you were locked in for the night because it was um, this, then Top of the Pops, and then Juliet Bravo. Where the hell did you live? Did you live with the Wests? What? You were locked in for the night. (laughs) 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 What I meant was you were locked into a a channel for the evening. I'm with you. Is there a reason why now in the future I don't have a triple fan-powered skydiving tube in my garden? I will say this, in its defence, before you even get started on this, <laughs> they are used today, and... Oh, no, no, I know that. What I'm asking is, why don't I have one? It looks fantastic. It looks amazing. <laughs> they are. I'll tell you why you haven't. It's because you don't have a Max Bygraves record. Exactly. Because you've got to play that as you do it. And uh, before okay. they'll sell it to you, yeah. okay. before okay. they'll sell okay. it to you, okay. you've got to have that on vinyl. Indeed. Shit. Yeah, see? Yeah, I was thinking if we use, like wind turbines to charge the batteries for the fan this is literally the gift that keeps on giving that's just circular it's fine isn't it you know it really is but the problem i i see is actually you see them nowadays and they're brilliant all i see is him doing slow motion on a trampoline essentially because Mm -hmm. he can't Mm -hmm. quite get his bony arms in his sky suit to have him actually float (laughs) and he doesn't have enough cheek fat to be able to do that the the g-force thing as well uh, so yeah. all I ended up, I zoned out and I was with Max Bygraves singing. Possibly the only reason they selected I could have danced all night is because of I could have spread my wings. And then they showed him <laughs> doing it at night. I mean, that's, yeah. that's we're stuck for an item. What the hell can we do? Oh, I've got this tube in my garden with three fans on. Can I give that a go? Ah, you're right, he had been on that machine for like 14 hours by that point with that song <laughs> playing on loop. <laughs> Given yes, that. he had. Yes, yeah. You'll not ask for a rise again. Um, yeah, it's there. And okay, so we 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 leave uh, such aeronautics and fly to a similar air-based bit of technology. Yes, phones, mobile phones, car phones. Oh, call them by the their name: radio, radio telephones. That's right. Radio That's telephones. At this point, absolutely. I, yeah. I kind of missed the point where London could only support. 4,000 mobiles and you had to carry one of them in a briefcase uh, well that was actually Gordon Jackson's from the professionals <laughs> the, well, two questions one who the fuck buys a green Rolls Royce Tony Britton ah there you go you see you knew yeah indeed they had to decolour yeah. it when they did the titles of Robin's Nest didn't they you're right you're absolutely right T- yeah Tony Britton and then they recolored they they recolored it and they hammered it into the shape of a jag for don't wait up that's right so <laughs> yes. yeah <laughs> They didn't buy a new car, they just took hammers to it. Right. <laughs> and we have Southampton's finest, Peter McCann, who I think was my favourite Tomorrow's World presenter. Because he was good he bloke. Just, he just seemed a thoroughly good bloke. He had no side to him and he was he looked genuinely interested. 
I'll tell you something about him as well. He's not using autocue. That's Definitely. just completely off the top of his head. Oh, no, of course he's, yeah. delivery. Up in the control room, they have no fucking idea where this is going next. That call that he makes at the end of the segment to the yes. speaking clock in America, that cost them £3,000. That's where the budget yes, went for yes. this week's episode. That's why they couldn't have Judith Han. But excellently delivered. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Understood what was going on. And do you know what you think? Actually, yeah, and... Decent prediction, because look where we are now. Yeah. My goodness me. Yeah. My goodness me. This, I'll tell you now, gentlemen, this is top quality presenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need more of this. I that's think all out, I'm saying. Out of all of the things that are in this edition of Tomorrow's World, that's the one, there's always one sort of, you know, absolute perfect uh, prediction, and this was the one in this edition. Absolutely no doubt. Then we move on to a bit of film which I'm going to tell you now about this, right? It's films like this about putting out the fires the way they do. Uh-huh. And I think, Velvet, chill out. The world is safe. We've got a handle on this. People can sort out the disasters. Look at what they've done. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Look at what they've yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt safe watching this film. It came from nowhere, but I don't care. <laughs> it, it, can they... It, can they, can they make us all safe without clattering on with a fucking fire engine for a minute and a half while I'm thinking, well, what is this? What, 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 right. sorry, what, what's the contract? We were talking about radio telephones a minute ago, and now mm. every, everything's on fire. Is, is this uh, what the future holds? <laughs> mind That's what you. happens if you use your radio telephone for too long. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and oh, never, okay. Mind you, the one thing is, never. You, you talk about safety, Doctor. Never have I heard a sexier description of putting out a fire. She's right in the mic. She's given it all she's got. If it's a petroleum fire, as on this exercise, they've got foam. Concentrate is added to the water and mixed with large amounts of air. The foam then floats on top of the burning fuel. After that, you get a slow motion set of a guy putting out the fire with this special film. Um, Yeah. What's the slow motion thing? I mean, is that just getting... Is that sort of building on Maggie's climactic... No, uh, I really like this, though, because they've used proper, like, high frame rate footage. They haven't just taken the standard 25 frames per second and slowed it down so it looks all stuttery. I'm assuming this is where the rest of the production budget went after that phone call. And then we have Kieran Prenderville banging his thumb with a hammer. What? Well, no, because... Right. We're now looking at scenes from an operation. He warns you about this. Some people, which some people find de- distressing. Yes, he does yes. warn us. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. He yes, does. and I'm one. Yeah. I'm one of those people. <laughs> so yeah. I, I didn't. I did not watch this because I can't watch things like that. So okay. no, nah, no. This was a no delightful way. lung operation scene, which, which would have aired at about delightful. twenty. The hell does that matter with you? Well, no, I'm just thinking because it would have aired at about twenty past seven. <laughs> at yeah. night mm-hmm. you know just mm-hmm. when people are either eating or finished eating fair play we do get a warning about it so you we'll know do. you've had a chance yeah. to mm-hmm. turn the channel turn the telly off do whatever so don't put a warning out just don't show it <laughs> <laughs> the thing is the the Irish guy that was being um, operated on was just absolutely fantastic you know and he's now going to be fed a drug that temporarily paralyzes all of his body muscles well i've got that it's called five liter boxes of wine his face when they do that is oh, yeah. horrifying 
Yeah. Absolutely fucking horrified. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I don't know, has he, I has he given it. permission for this? I mean, I'm assuming he like, gave permission beforehand. Has he looked back at the footage of himself actually being paralysed and going unconscious and thought, yeah, yeah, put that out on television? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mind you, the thing when he announced the anaesthetist black rubber bag, I thought, that's a Miss Marple film with Margaret Rutherford, isn't it? Right. <laughs> Genuine <laughs> question. When that ventilator was running in the operating theatre... Yeah. Did you two immediately start breathing in tandem yes. with the inflating bag, or was it just me? Absolutely. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. I couldn't watch it. <laughs> but, Mr Blackout, the big problem I had is when they had these sort of inflated organs with the uh, in the incision, and he just yeah. dug his hand in, that's when yes. I stopped watching. So I thought, oh, I can't okay. take this. Yeah. Oh, by that point, I was fine again. It was the guy's face when he was going under that freaked me out. By that point, it's just, it's just like, mate, that's fine. But on the do this. We haven't actually said what this segment's about. It's about lung operations, and it's about it keeping is. the lung sort of down in one, keeping it sort of like down, but keeping the patient alive while you're doing Absolutely. the operation. So yeah, again, yeah, yeah. listener, you can imagine. Um, and then we're getting very near the end, whereby we we, we cut back to Maggie Philbin. Oh yes, in a oh, in a yes. powder pink jumpsuit. Yep, yep. Making this grunting barrel. noises now. while bending over an oil drum, <laughs> transparently for the dads. This bit. Three of minutes course. before yes, the end. Get yes, her on there. Let me just say that this item has absolutely no relevance to anything or anybody in the United Kingdom. But yep. but it's a beautifully crafted filler piece before the credits because uh-huh. they literally have two minutes to shove in. I tell you what, Maggie, dress in this mm-hmm. and wheel this on a trolley and show some muscles so that Prenderville can feel your arm. Yep. <laughs> that aside, gentlemen... As we draw to the end of the world of tomorrow, I just have to say this. Peg's on the line. I'm giving it nine because tomorrow's world oh. is absolutely important. It's vital. It was so bloody well done. And we need it back now. Uh, it's nine out of nine for me. Even now, 39 years later, I was fascinated by this. It's like, think yeah. of a number for grown-ups. Informative, yeah. accessible, and Maggie Philbin. Superb. Mr. Bognops? Also nine out of nine. It's fantastic. Kind of, it, fantastic. It's, it's we have a full house, gentlemen. It's a warm, reliable look into the future, whilst it was still bound by microchips and solenoids. Safe subjects, but a bit of filler as well. You know, it was just a program that actually engaged you. And I like that. And I was so glad in this particular episode not to hear Judith Hand say the word drug. We have decided, dear listener, that tomorrow's world is the best program. That we, it's Ever. maths, it's science, we've done that. It's settled now. So I'm reckoning um, we have mm-hmm. to calculate steps up the mountain. And so, we do. Uh, Mr. Blackout, how progressive thou up the mountainous? Square root of my 9 out of 9, I can do it in 3. Splendid. Boom. <laughs> This edition of Tomorrow's World is co-hosted by Maggie Philbin, who appeared on All-Star Record Breakers under the auspices of Roy Castle, who was an unwitting resident of Dr. Terry's House of Horrors, alongside Frank Forsyth, who appeared in 1954's The Embezzler with Peggy Mant. Would you like me to take a look at that finger? Nice. Terrific. Nice. Yep. Very good. Never mind me, Mr. Bognops. What about yourself? I, too... I'm square rooting my total score of pegs and going for it in three. (laughs) 
This edition of Tomorrow's World is co-hosted by Kieran Prendville, who narrated an episode of 1985's Happy Families, which featured Lance Percival, who of course starred in Carry On Cruising next to Esma Cannon, who was in 1956's Sailor Beware with Peggy Mann. Oh, give me a clue. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Smashing all over the table. (laughs) I was just silently, silently crying throughout that. And so, Doctor Velvet, uh, what is your traversing of certain mountainous regions? Well, similar to yourselves and on a similar square route, I'm doing it in three. This edition of Tomorrow's World is co-hosted by Peter McCann, who was in the 1967 Christmas edition of Sexton Blake with Nicola Paget, who starred in 1985's A Woman of Substance, alongside Harry Landis, who was in the Court Case episode of George and the Dragon with Peggy Mon. Oh, it's that carpet. It rucks, you know. Lovely. Splendid. I'm sorry you've just shot me right into a trance with two magic words, Nicola Padgett. And from a world of tomorrow to a world of today, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. Blackout's got your socials. Yes, thanks once again for being with us. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email PeggyMountPod at gmail.com or we are at PeggyMountPod on Twitter. You can also find us by searching for the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour on Facebook. Don't forget to go to PeggyMountPod.com. Check out the show notes for this episode. It's as simple as that. It really is. Aussie Bognops, thanks for appearing via the telex. Yeah, thank you A for that. A great delight. Thank you very much, gents. Until the next time. <laughs> From us on the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour, do remember one simple thing. Whether it's in the world of the past or the present or tomorrow. Keep counting. Peggy Mount Calamity Hour is a free podcast from iCall Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments and television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com. Peggy Mount Calamity Hour.